This week, Hampa sat down to talk to sales mentor and industry thought leader Keenan, who spoke about the value of teaching in sales, what drives him as a consultant, and Keenan shared some tidbits from his new book, Not Taught, What It Takes to Be Successful in the 21st Century. What do you do? Like, what, what, what is the thing you're fixing for people? Uh, I have a sales consulting firm, mm-hmm. so and also a recruiting division. So we help people find salespeople for their organizations. I have you know anywhere from four to five clients at a time. I'm trying to fix their sales organization or grow it. So I act as a consultant and and confidant and process fixer and coach and everything for sales organizations. So and then of course I got the book and I've got a team of my own and. I'm constantly coming up with new ideas to get out there. So I just, I, I'm really good at creating freaking work. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I recognize that. What's the, what's the most fun part? I really love it all to be perfectly frank. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is a, a most fun part. Um, you know, it's before I started this, I used to fucking hate, uh, Mondays, hated them. And it got so bad. This is no freaking lie. And you know, you hear people talk about this once in a while and you just, you, you think it's metaphorical or they're sort of exaggerating, but I actually got there. It got to a point where I couldn't wait for Friday so bad that I was, once it was Friday, I was so excited, but by Saturday around six or seven, I was already panicked because I knew Sunday meant Monday was around the corner. Yeah. Like I couldn't even enjoy Sunday because I knew Monday was right around the corner. So, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, I freaking hated it. So now I don't even know the difference between a Friday, a Saturday, uh, Tuesday or Monday. It, it, oh. It's all the same to me. I love it. I'm having fun. So I don't know if there what, is. What was one. the triggering moment for you to change? I had been writing. I've been working on my blog for two years. People had been reaching out. I religiously, I think I posted almost every single day for two years. I'm sure I missed a handful, but I probably been pretty close to 740. Uh, wait, it was 700 posts probably in two years. And uh, uh, people started reaching out and I had another job. And then, um, that company was purchased by a company in the UK, a company called Pace, uh, and they let pretty much the entire North American sales division go. And I was vice president of sales operations and sales strategy. So I went and I had a choice. I could spend, you know, a pretty senior position, so you don't find those overnight. I said I can spend six months working with a headhunter and trying to find another job I probably was going to hate, or I could spend the next six months trying to build the sales consulting business that people have been already asking me for help. So I chose the latter, and I never looked back. Like, do you help with the, like individual coaching? Like, it, it, could could they ask you? Like, Horizon ask you? Is like, okay, Jim, like you got to go in, like train our SDR team. Like, we've got an SDR team. Like, we don't know what we're doing. Like, you got to help us. Yes, yes, that I could do. If they said, hey, I've got this guy that needs coaching, not necessarily. No, no, Verizon, I might if they, you know, because they might pay it. But generally speaking, um, no, it, it's what you said. Our SDR team isn't working. So a big company would be like that because it's so big. It'd be rarely I'd work with the, you know, the executive price for the worldwide sale. It's usually too big. It's very, um, dr- results driven. So, um, I would go in at some functional layer and say, okay, what's wrong with this SDR team or what's wrong with your enterprise sales team at, at the big companies at smaller companies. It is the whole sales team, right? You don't have seven different functional groups in sales, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and I went and it's all about, so it's sales strategy. It's how I break it down. Strategy, structure, people, process. So I look at the sales strategy. Is the sales strategy sound? Are you going after the right customers? Are you penetrating the market in the right way? Are you leveraging the right tools to sort of penetrate the market, right? You go to market strategy. Then it comes down to, if so, then what's the structure? 
right? Is your team structured to effectively execute against that strategy? If, if not, then we fix it. If so, then okay, then it's got to be the people, right? Structure, right strategy. You're still not getting it. It's got to be the people. So we look at the people and if it's the right people, right strategy, right structure, then the processes are all fucked up and we got to fix those. And if it's all four, then it's not broken and you're lying to me about something because it's got to be broken. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I do. I cross those four pillars. Do you have like a classical, like, do you feel you repeat, you're almost repeating yourself sometimes? You're just like, it's almost like always one of these things at the big companies. It is. Well, it's interesting, right? It's like a marriage, right? It's always, so it's communication or respect or finances, right? But when you get in, it's different, right? So it's finances, if they're millionaires and it's finances, different than if they're broke and it's finances, right? Mm. If it's communication, it's different if... You know, if it's two highly communicated people versus people who are not communicated at all. So even though the pillars are all the same, the actual unique nuances to each company is completely different. So it, it almost always requires something different to fix, mm-hmm. which makes it that much more fun. Right? It is, though. But, I mean, do you think that – I mean, I find, like, sometimes when people are asking for advice, I think that I always find, like, there's uh, – it's almost like a Maslowian pyramid. Like you always start with like, well, this is you. You probably have this wrong. Like you almost, you know, think they have it wrong. And most, and when they've got that right, you can kind of work yourself up with quality. Is there something that most people do wrong? No, no. I, I mean, if you were to force me into a box and say, okay, which one would I recommend people do first, or you know, which one? Um, is the highest probability that they're messing up. Mm-hmm. It's usually people. Interesting. Right? Because, look, at the end of the day, you can't do anything without the right people. I mean, like I used to, you know, you, you've seen a lot of really smart senior executives get on stage and say, we can't do this without you. And it's all about people and people are the key to success. And half the time they're platitudes. But sometimes when they're saying it, they're actually mean it and they're right. Right. I mean, you have the best strategy in the world, the best structure. If you've got the wrong people in the wrong roles or they got the bad attitudes or they're not motivated, nothing's going to happen. Nothing. Um, So, you know, it's interesting. I have one customer who I've had for 18 months now or is it two years? Maybe it's two years. Shame on me. Yeah, it's two years now. And, um, you know, we were talking the other day and technically speaking, we had the gist of it turned around in about six months. Like we identified the problems. We started making changes. We implemented new processes. We were engaging in a new culture. So, you know, we had the general shape, right? But it's kind of like, uh, that spinning wheel thing. When you, when you, uh, when you make uh, clay, right? Yeah. It doesn't take take long to see the shape, Mm -hmm. but as they keep, once the shape is there in the first, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes, half hour, but they keep going for a few more hours and all of a sudden the shape hasn't changed much, but it looks a lot, lot better. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So normally what I find is in the first three to six months, we can get the general shape, but this one client chose to keep me on for two years and we were talking how much different this sales organization is from two years ago when he hired me and then from 18 months ago when we had most of the stuff already in place, Mm -hmm. from executing on it day after day, reinforcing it, Moving people, the entire team is different. Was bar one person, whole oh. team's been turned, whole team's been turned over. But yes. I think and that I think that sometimes where people isn't working. I mean, why? As you said, if it's one thing most common, it's people. Isn't that because you think that like the the process and the structure and the strategy those can be done from like the ivory tower by, by the PhDs and the MBAs? They can sit there and their little documents and write it nicely. But like the people, that's in the trenches. 
mm-hmm. the problem is you can just send out these documents like this is our process like work it out like be super nice and then when people read it they're like this is bullshit and they just continue working as they are because like getting down there with people usually requires you to be in, like an operator a bit and a lot of the people who are in strategy and process they don't kind of like that okay notice what you just said the people yeah. in strategy yeah, yeah, and too. process. True, that's like, people too. So people is not layered. People no. is people. Yeah. So if you've got people who are in leadership who are just tossing out a strategy and say, let the minions no. figure it out. No, exactly. what, right? Well, they don't people. build. No, exactly. It is an interesting thing. Process in itself, a process to main, maintain that processes are being followed is a process. Yeah. Right, so I have something called cadence that I teach them all of my clients. It's once they roll out a process. Okay, what's the cadence to follow up on that, or what's the cadence to ensure that's happening? Or and it's not in a micromanagement perspective. It's it's building a cadence into the process so that it continues forward, or that you can track it, or you can see how it's working to be nimble and flexible. Rarely, rarely is it about keeping track of the person or about compliance. Mm-hmm. I do it the other way around. It's all right. We're going to build this cadence in to make sure that this process works. And so as you're doing that cadence, you either see the process doesn't work or the people aren't doing it. So I thought I'd ask you, like, if you would say that typically, typical kind of, you know, cadences or processes that you think that all salespeople should do, like, you know, that they're quickly going to figure out that this is actually good for me. Uh, what would you think that would be? That's a really interesting question. Um, because I was a huge fan of the CRM. Mm-hmm. Always happened. When I was an individual contributor, I loved my CRM. So when I first started selling, uh, Salesforce didn't exist. I don't believe Goldmine existed. Uh, if Act did exist, my company didn't have it. And so they put us on this FileMaker Pro thing. Yeah. And I, I want to say we built our own. We dragged. I want to say we built our own little thing, and it had. Yeah. I remember it had name, phone number, and then a note section. And I think I can't remember a few other things, but I was fucking religious with that thing. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I told, I took copious notes of what they said and when I was supposed to follow up and why, why they were interested. Mm-hmm. And, and I never made a follow-up call until I read all my notes. So I knew what I needed to do next and how to approach them. And, and so I loved it. Mm-hmm. And so as, as CRM became more ubiquitous and people complained about it, I didn't understand that. Oh, exactly. so I, yeah, I didn't understand it as an individual, as a salesperson, I was like, this app is mad value. How are you not using this? I don't get it. So I'm not sure I'm the guy to answer because I, like you, am a bit perplexed. It, the lack of information the team puts in there, how they don't use it to make the next call, why in God's name they think they can do everything from memory, um, why they don't use it for deal strategy. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think know. it's super weird. And I think that I had this thesis the last year that I think that one of the problems we've done is that we've added so many tools and so much stuff to do around it. Because like people are saying, like, I don't want to log stuff. Okay, so we auto-log everything. The problem when you auto-log everything is, like, you can't go back and figure out what happened because, like, you know, you have every phone call, every email. You're like, oh, shoot. And then it's like you're saying, okay, so you don't want to log. Okay, so you don't want to take notes. Let's record everything. You're sitting there with, like, audio recordings for half an hour. Like, you can't listen through those. No, so it's no. like, just please yeah. take, you know notes just quick simple notes and people are like oh that's too much to write it's like what the hey i don't get it and i'm not sure like if technology like we're setting up like traps for ourselves trying to make it easy but what we're making is just hard i think that a strict down serum would be a lot better no I, I think there's some truth to that i really do i think in many cases two salespeople in the moment think they'll never forget or think they have a a, a mental command right there it's locked in there so they don't feel they need it yeah um, 
I think the other thing I would say too, and I have experienced this with, with um, Salesforce. I do not believe the Salesforce UI is conducive no. to note-taking because when I used to do it and I went to that record, my note was right in front of me. Yeah, I know. Right? It was right there, all the notes, right? Now with Salesforce, I open up the record there is no editorial right there, right? No. I got to go searching for it. And some people put it in notes. Some people put it in comments. And, exactly. Yes. And so I hate it too. It's too yeah, much so choice. It's, it's too many choices. And then it's, it's not very easily recoverable, no. right? It's, it's, yeah. And so that frustrates me is I, I want to see it right there when I show up. What's your book about? It's called Not Taught, What It Takes to Be Successful in the 21st Century That No One Is Teaching You. Oh, interesting. And, Yes, and basically it outlines um, as the thesis how we've transitioned from the industrial age to the information age. And with that, what opportunities now exist, what, um, what matters now as opposed to what mattered in the past, and uh, helps people sort of make the transition, or at least lays it out so if they choose to want to make the transition, they can. Hmm. So what are like core, like core, core things? Yeah, so for one, one of the chapters is called um, Time Versus Results. Too many people, during the industrial age, we spent so much time measuring time, right? Mm. Time clocks, you need to show up at eight, leave at five, mm. nine to five. Um, how, you know, management was how much time did you spend on that? Tell me what you did today, right? Mm. What I'm learning today is what more and more organizations, like, I don't really give a shit how long it took you. What did you get done? Mm. What did you deliver? Mm. Right. So the idea of shifting your mindset to not how hard I worked on it or not. Did I, what did I work on? But what, what did I actually deliver? What can I take ownership on mm. from a delivery perspective? Um, that's just one. Another one. I mean, there are some obviously ones that some people don't get, but reach the importance of reach back in the industrial age. You had a network and, a, and some people had a Rolodex, but most people never thought for a second about building reach where they could actually touch you know, tens, hundreds, hundreds of thousands, even millions of people never even dawned on them, right? Mm. I got a couple of friends. If I need something, I'll call them. And that was it. Mm. Now, in today's world, if you think you want to compete, you better be able to influence at core minimum a thousand people, mm. core minimum. So when you need a job, you should be able to type on LinkedIn or send out something on LinkedIn to a thousand people and someone respond, right? If you're a salesperson and you want to get connected to someone to get into a company or you want to um, get access to something, you better have at least a thousand, ten thousand, fifty thousand people that you can reach out to and get someone to respond to you. You can't live without a, a network. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things like that. Another one is thinking. We didn't think in the past. In the industrial age, they didn't ask you to think. They gave you a very rote job. Do this job. Do it this way, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Small band of management thought, but it was small. Now companies don't want rope people. It's like world is changing too fast. Mm. So the idea that says you just show up and do what you're told, that someone's going to give you instructions and it's like, okay, tweet this. You did the 10 tweets. Okay, now what? They don't have time for that. You mm. actually have to think and bring information from the bottom up. You can't just wait from the, from the top down. Mm. Um, and you have to be able to come up with new ideas, new campaigns, new approaches, new methodologies, new processes if you want to compete in the 21st century. And nobody's teaching people that. Like the, what, you're, what you're saying in a way, in a way is what, what scares a lot of people that they figure out that they have to be entrepreneurs. Yes. Even in the job, you, even in working for someone else, you have to have an entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah. Yes. That's a tricky thing to teach. It is. And, and a lot of it, people have to teach themselves, right? Yeah. So in the book, it's, you know, it's not this big, huge, oh, yeah, it's uh, not a huge, you know, overwhelming thing. It's a very personal speak. It's, um, it's 150 pages, maybe. 
Um, chapters fly through. I put lots of examples. I quote studies. I share um, stories of people who've done it and the impact of them. Um, you know, I, I talk just lots of data and anecdotal stories to drive the point home. And I leave it to the individual to decide whether or not they want to change because I can't change anybody. But the okay. argument's pretty compelling. Is it on Amazon? Yes, it is. Thanks. I'll buy one. Um, but interesting. So, so like if if. If you were given the task to train one salesperson, like I understand you wouldn't, like it wouldn't be very efficient. But like, what do you think makes a great salesperson? Um, their ability to to teach. Mm, I like that. Interesting. Yep. So when it comes to sales, teaching is where salespeople win. Their ability to first assess where the customer is in their decision process and in their pain points, what's happening in their business that is driving the decision to think about moving, Mm. right? And if the customer isn't thinking about moving, which is demand reaction, their ability to ask enough questions to demonstrate why the customer needs to consider moving, which is teaching again, right? So I just talked to a lady the other day on the ski slope because I ski a lot. And she's like, oh, yeah, look, I get around the hill pretty good. And so I'd love an instructor for a tip or two. And I said, let me ask you a question. If I brought you to a, a double black diamond and um, it was full of bumps, how do you think you'd do? She goes, oh, no, 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 I don't need that. I said, so let me ask you a question then. So why do you feel you need just a few tips? Already the mountain dictates to you how you, where and how and when you ski. And she goes, yeah, that, it does. I said, so why would you want a few tips? Why would you not want to build a learning plan over the next years of you skiing so that someday the mountain never dictates to you how to ski? You, you dictate to the mountain how to ski. She goes, yeah, that's a good point. That's called demand creation. Yeah. I took a woman who believed she only wanted something and made her believe she needed something else. Mm. How did I do that? Through teaching, right? Then once you teach someone how to teach, Then you can teach them how to solve problems. 